on, somebody make some noise for Jesus. Praise God. I am glad y'all are up in the house with us today. She said I was coming out swinging, so there we go. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Jesus says, our Father in heaven. Everybody say, my Father in heaven. He's not talking about the one who conceived you in a physical sense. He's speaking directly of the source of life. So when he is teaching us how to pray, he's telling us, stop looking in the natural for all your answers. Ooh, somebody hear me this morning. You got to start looking for the source that is beyond the veil of tears that we live in. And then he says, your name, everybody say his name. God has a name. His name isn't Father. God has a name. His name is not Son. God has a name. His name is not Jehovah. His name is not Yahweh. His name is not Almighty. His name is not all these other titles that we reference him because these titles talk about his attributes, but he has one name that was given among men whereby we must be saved. There is only one name. There's only one identity. There's only one source of power. The name of Jesus. May your name be honored in the earth. My goodness, we're going to preach to don't let LSU win and give me an extra hour of sleep. I'm liable to just throw down like all the time. Oh. May the identity of God be honored. And then he goes on, he says, may your kingdom come. Everybody say, your kingdom, not my kingdom, not my government's kingdom, not my nationality's kingdom, not my opinion's kingdom, not my preconceived notions kingdom. Not what they taught me in school's kingdom. Not that video game I'm playing in the middle of church right now's kingdom. <laughs> I got some of it. I saw you like it's flashing on you. Like Candy Crush is flashing. Turn down the brightness on your phone. That way we won't know what's going on. But may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come on, y'all. Let's make room for the will of God to be done today. Lord, we love you, Jesus. Praise God. You can be seated. So glad that y'all are here. Before we get too much further into this, I just want to say welcome to all of our family in Kenya. We love you. Buena Asafiwe, all nine locations, soon to be three more in the nation of Kenya. Let's give them a rousing Welcome to the worship experience. We love y'all. I want y'all to keep our churches in Kenya in prayer. Our, our main church in Kasuku, they had a loss this past week. One of their young adults tragically passed away. Her name was Mary, and we want to be praying for their family and uh, being with them. Even though that we have not met some of them in person, they are still family with us. Amen. And when they are lost, going through a loss, when they're going through hurt, we're going through that as well. So, Give them some, some prayers, uh, throw some prayers up toward God this week for their comfort and all the people that are directly impact, impacted by that. Pastors John and Mary, we love you. So glad that you are part of our family. Can't wait to see what God does in 2023 in Kenya. Amen, amen. We are in part five of our series that we have been calling This is the Kingdom. Say, this is the kingdom. Now say it like you're going to preach with me. Say, this is the kingdom. That's how you preach with somebody, especially someone as hyper as me on this Sunday morning. If you say, this is the kingdom, I'm going to come down there and like, like wake you up. Isaac, you going to preach with me this morning? You sure? Was that catfish good the other night? There you go. Praise the Lord. Y'all don't know what he's talking about. The, the men, we, on Thursday nights, we've been going to eat because we waited until Josh moved up to northern Louisiana so we wouldn't have to take him to eat because he would eat all the food. <laughs> Good to see Josh and Eden and your friend this morning. Eden, I heard something amazing happen in your life a couple weeks ago. Praise God. Eden received the baptism of the Holy Ghost at Life Point Church up in Ruston. Come on, let's give God some praise. Praise God. We've been praying for y'all and we're glad that we get to see you. And I'm glad, Josh, you didn't come in the middle of the night like you did last week. You, you came early so you can get back home early and not be late for class. But we're glad everybody is here. We're in part five of this series that we're calling This is the Kingdom. 
And what we're learning is that there is a plan that God has in place. There is a design. There is a purpose. There is a will that the King of kings and the Lord of lords has not only for this world at large, but also for every individual. Whether you believe in him or not is completely immaterial. He already has a plan. Amen? And what we have also been learning is that as believers, we do not live in a spiritual democracy. We live in a spiritual monarchy, which simply means we don't get a vote in the will of the king. Now, that, that rubs us wrong because we like our votes. We like our opinions. We like to lobby for our desires. We like to lobby for the things that we like. We like all our stuff. We like the things that hurt us which is why I eat way too many Cheetos. I'm just being honest with you. We like the things that are negative in our life. We, in fact, we find comfort in the things that are destroying us. But there is a king who sits on the throne of all eternity. And here's the deal. You don't have to make room for him to sit on the throne. He's already sitting there because he spoke the throne into existence. Amen? Amen. What he is wanting to do is sit on the throne of your life. He's literally wanting to absorb the kingdom of your life into his own. And that's why we're learning that he is already the king of kings. Every other kingdom in the world has to bow down to the kingdom of the almighty. Every other lord, every other authority has to bow its head and take a knee at the name of Jesus. Amen. We need to understand that as members of the kingdom of God, there is a divine responsibility that rests on us. And in this series, we've been learning how to turn our world upside down. Well, up to this point, I really haven't spent a lot of time on that part of the, of the series. And that's been intentional because over the last three weeks, we've been learning about the culture of the kingdom. And if you have not been offended over the last three weeks, then you're just one of those strange people that's just amazing. Because I promise you, the Sermon on the Mount will offend thus some people. In fact, if the Word of God doesn't offend you, go ahead and get ready. You're about to be called away into eternity very, very quickly. But Jesus is like coming at us constantly. Why is he coming? Well, I thought he was loving. He is loving. He wants you to understand that the culture that we have adopted and we believe is his is not his. His culture is higher than the culture of the world. Amen. And he's wanting us to understand if you keep chasing this culture, you're literally pulling further and further and further away from my kingdom. And I want you to choose my culture above your own. Amen. So if we want to learn how to turn the world upside down, we first of ourselves have to be turned upside down. So as we dive into the culture, and if, if you missed any part of this, you can go to nolachurch.com or check us out on YouTube and you can get caught up on all the sermons. And I highly encourage you, go back and watch those. See what you may have missed. Learn some things that you perhaps have never heard before. Because before we can make a difference in the world that we live in, before we can turn our world upside down by the power of God working in us and through us, we first have to be turned upside down as individuals. Our personalities have to be turned upside down. Our opinions have to be turned upside down. Our politics has to be turned upside down. Our, our desires have to be turned upside down. All these things that we find favor in, all these things that we find comfort in literally has to be wrecked and, and resituated and like shaken up and just radically turned upside down by the power of God before he can trust his mission to us. You say, well, I just, I just want to go to church and check the box. I'm sorry, that's not how his kingdom works. Well, you know, I, I, this is really, really important in my life at this point. So I'll get involved in the kingdom after I take it. I'm sorry, that's just not how it works. You, if you dip in and dip out, guess what? You're going to dip off. You, you're just going to go. I don't even know if that's a phrase. It's not, but you, you know what I meant. It, it's amazing to me how people get so disconnected from the power of God. And, and I'll hear things like, I feel so disconnected, but you haven't engaged in like six months. The longer you go without engaging in the kingdom, the easier it is to feel disconnected because baby, you are. Doesn't mean you're evil, you are disconnected. The only way to change that is not for God's coming. No, he's already there reaching for you. You have to reconnect. You have to re-engage. You have to start making the kingdom of God a higher priority in your life. And when you do this, he meets you in the moment. Amen, amen, amen. All right, foundations behind us. Let's get into today's sermon. Part five of the series is simply this, the will 
of God. Everybody say the will of God. In his prayer, teaching us how to pray, Jesus prays two vitally important things. He, he prays a lot, but there's two things that we've really been diving into. He says, may your kingdom come, may your will be done. But not just the will of God to be done. I want the will of God to be done on earth in my realm in the same way it's already being done in the heavenlies. In the realm of God, the way reality is already happening, that is the reality that I want in my life. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It would be so much better if God's realm was radically invading our realm on the daily. Like I wish that would happen. Are you inviting it? Or have you settled? Because let's be real, sometimes it's easy to settle. We find something that's comforting and we lean into it. We're like, okay, that's, that's poison, but yeah, it, it feels good. Like we served you donuts because it was fallback. That ain't real healthy, right? All the nutritionalists in the room are like, oh my God, they're serving donuts. Yeah. I don't eat them because I'm healthy, as you can tell. But, but like, like here's the deal. We like things that are not good for us. We like the things that pull us away from a mindset that teaches us to depend on the power of God in us in order to see the will of God happen. So let me unpack a few things here. If we're going to understand the will of God, we have to first ask that question that's on the tip of everyone's tongue right now. What is the will of our king? Okay, may your will be done on earth as is in heaven. Well, what is the will of God? Because religion is so prevalent in our world, and we're in the United States of America, we're in the, in the, right, right on the outer loop of the Bible Belt. New Orleans isn't really part of the Bible Belt, like the Bible Belt skips us because we're so sinful, and it just like goes all the way around us. Like it gets to Slidell, and it's like, yeah, we're here, and then it skips New Orleans and hits Hammond, might pick up in Laplace, and then it heads on, and then goes all the way down to the Gulf. Like New Orleans is just that, that, missing belt loop, right? That, that, that's how we are, but every major religion of the world has a representation in New Orleans, but it's interesting that God is not the center of our city. It's interesting that sin is the center of our city. Depravity and, and looking for things that destroys. I, I could go off, but I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching nice today. Praise the Lord. But we, we have been conditioned to think that the will of God it's some mysterious, ethereal thing that we can never obtain. And then we start doing like silly, super spiritual things to make us sound more religious or make us sound more pious. Well, I just want to know what the will of God is in this situation. Then we do dumb things like, God, is it your will that I buy this car? God doesn't care. Can you afford the note? Can you afford the insurance? Get yourself a, a brand new car. You know, whatever you need to do. God, I just want to know, is this the place that we should eat dinner today? He doesn't care. Pastor, could you pray for me that the will of God would be done in my studies at school? Well, did you study? No. <laughs> the will of your laziness is about to get done in your studies at school. I have four daughters. I know this conversation well. But we've convinced ourselves that the will of God is this ethereal thing that we should chase. Now, that's partially right. We should constantly be seeking the will of God, but we, we act like it, it's this ever-changing thing that on, on the morning, it's the sun comes up and the will of God for that day is revealed. No, that's not what this says. The will of God has already been firmly established. You might not know this, but he says, I am God, I do not change. He doesn't have multiple personality disorder, and he, do, he, he also doesn't struggle with being consistent. He doesn't struggle with his faithfulness. That's what we do. His will is already firmly established, and we should seek his will, but we shouldn't try to make his will something that it's not. How many of you are already, like, offended? Okay, keep your hands down. I'm, I'm, I'm going to come for you because I'm going to help you because I'm going to give you some word of truth instead of word of religion because a lot of times it's easy for us to manipulate other people by teaching a religious view of something so that they lean on us instead of leaning on the everlasting arms of the Almighty God. Anyway, let's move on from this. 
is the will of God this ethereal mystery that we have to constantly seek? Well, the best way to know the will of God is to go to the Word of God, amen? So let's look at Romans chapter 12. Just look at two verses here real quick. We're going to kind of be hopping around in, in the New Testament today. So keep your Bibles handy or your phones or keep your eyes handy on the front of your face so you can see what's on the screen. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. This is what Paul says. He says, therefore, I exhort you. He ain't playing. Pastor, could you just be more encouraging? An exhortation is not always encouraging. An exhortation gets in your face and says, hey, yo, listen to what I'm saying. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. <laughs> That's what an exhortation, if you're not on TikTok, you didn't get that. You should get on TikTok. That's funny. Therefore, I exhort you, brothers and sisters. That's for all of the chauvinistic people that don't think that God talks to women. Therefore, I exhort you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God. Notice this. Notice this. Present your bodies. Well, God wants my soul. No, he wants your body too. He wants your spirit. He wants your soul. And he wants your body. That's why he made your body in his own image and in his own likeness. So present your bodies as a sacrifice. Notice this. Alive. Like, don't kill yourself for him. That's what religion and superstition does. That's what your job is doing. That's what your society is doing. The enemy seeks to kill, destroy. He says, but I've come that you might have life and life more abundant. Like, he doesn't want the sacrifice to be a dead sacrifice. Like, in the original language here, the word alive here means not dead. That's deep. Present your bodies as a sacrifice, not dead. Holy, what does that mean? It means separate. Oh. No, I, I don't want them to think I'm weird. He wants them to think you're weird. Yeah, but I don't, want to, I, I don't want them to know that I believe. He wants them to know that you believe. He wants you to be so alive and so filled with his life with a capital L. So filled with his spirit. So filled with the power of who he is that every part of your life separates you from everything in this society that does not align with his character. And then notice this, and pleasing. What does pleasing mean here? It means acceptable. To who? Well, when I'm on social media, I have to say things that are acceptable to other people so they don't take my post down. Anyone ever had a post taken down? Good, you're doing a good job. <laughs> our church has had a few of our sermons taken down, so I, I don't really know what we did because they don't tell you, but like they didn't like what we said, so Sorry. Mark Zuckerberg, I love you. God loves you. You should look into him. But for whatever reason, they took it down. But we try so hard to be accepted in this world. When we are never commanded as citizens of the kingdom to be accepted in this world. God does not care what a godless society thinks about your faith in him. It's high time that every one of us who are citizens of the kingdom of God stop worrying about what the person who doesn't even acknowledge God thinks about our faith. But see, the reason we do this is we want to fit into a world that is temporary. We don't even understand that the world that we live in is going to pass away. There is a new heaven and a new earth that is on its way. It's already being prepared in the realm of God. It is coming down like a bride out of, out of the heavenlies, like a bride adorned for her husband. It is coming. We are not part of a temporary kingdom. We are a part of an eternal government established by our king. Why are we putting so much faith and so much dependence on the acceptance of people? And the acceptance of ideology that has nothing to do with our king. We'll get into that in a second. He says, I want you to be alive and, and separate and acceptable to God. Which is your reasonable service? Like Paul is saying, yo, this ain't even hard. You hadn't even gotten into like Christianity 2.0. We're here at the introduction. This is the remedial work that you do before you start your first semester of college. Like this is the stuff they should have taught you in high school, but they didn't. You should already know this when you walk in the door as a believer. Like this is foundational. And we're like, yeah, but it's so hard. And he's like, no, it's easy. 
I've already given you the way to do that. The problem is you're depending on yourself as your source because you forgot that my source who is in heaven, may your name be honored. You see, you see how this all connects in. He says, uh, I, I want to exhort you. I want to wake you up in the middle of the dark world that you're possibly sleeping in spiritually. You're surrounded by abject darkness. You're surrounded by poverty and crime and just horrible stuff that's just everywhere. You turn on the news, it gets worse. You go on social media and it gets worse. You go into entertainment and they're trying to outdo all the bad stuff they did last year and it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse. Well, we should vote new things in. It ain't going to change. It's just going to keep getting worse because the people that we vote in are just as bad as the people we voted out. So what is the answer? So glad you asked that question. Let's look at verse 2. Don't be conformed to this present world. Everybody say, don't be. Don't be. No, say it like you, you mean it. Say, don't be. So what does the word conform mean? Like he says, don't be conformed to this present world. What does that mean? In the original language, it literally means to fashion oneself according to. So here's what this is. Don't fashion your life, don't fashion yourself according to the culture of the world in which you live. The message paraphrase puts it like this. Don't fit into culture so well that you fit into it without even realizing it. In other words, don't become what surrounds you. But you see, that's what Christianity is teaching. Which is why things that used to be taught as this will separate you from God are now acceptable and openly practiced by the church. Two or three different Faith denominations and groups of people over the last few months are openly debating same gender relationship in their church. Watch the sermon now because it's probably going to get taken down. This isn't hate speech. This is the truth. Why are they debating it? Because there's an entire group of people that are obsessed with the culture in which we live in that are openly saying we need to be okay with this because it's 2022, right? And this is just how we've evolved up to this point. But here's the fact, that has never been God's reality and the church has gotten silent because the church is too busy trying to have a good moment to learn how to be better employees at their job instead of learning how to be the light in a dark world. Here's the deal, same gender relationship is not of God. It is an abomination in God, not the people. The practice is because it does not produce life. All it does is produces chaos and hurt. Well, I don't agree with that, Pastor. So? There's a lot that I read in here that I don't agree with. But the king has already said it. The king has already spoken openly. He has already confirmed the truth. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be radical or mean. I'm just trying to be biblical. It's not my job to get up here and pacify someone's societal view. No, we need to stand firm and not be conform to the world, not refashion the congregation of God according to the culture in which we live. We should radically affront and say, no, I will not be a part of this because that is not the direction my king is going. Well, I'm going to go on Facebook right now and I'm going to tell her where, no, stop. You're conforming to the world. Shut your mouth. Live the light. Don't spout your opinion. Live the light. That's the problem. The church wants to protest, get signs and bullhorns and go down to the French Quarter and start yelling at all the alcoholics. Stop! Why don't you start with the alcoholics that sit on the pew down, this, down the row from you? Well, we'll get them in a class. No, we're not going to. We're done with classes. Oh, my God. Brace yourself. We're done with classes. If you will not lean into the power of the Holy Ghost, there are no 12 steps that I can get you that are going to walk you out of it. You need to lean into the power and the life of the Almighty God. You need to accept the fact that He has already breathed truth into you. My Don't fashion yourself according to the culture of the world. Well, I don't even know how to do that, Pastor. Is this okay this morning? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
In other words, be metamorphosed by your mind being renewed. I don't know what that is. We're about to unpack that. What does it mean? Like Conforming means to fashion yourself according to the culture that you live in. But the transformation that Paul is talking about here can only happen when the spirit of the almighty God, the spirit of the almighty source, literally metamorphoses you into something that you were never before except in the mind of God. How does this happen? It happens when you renew your mind. The only way to renew your mind is to change your input source. The only way to renew your mind is to turn off the talking heads, is to turn off the social media influencers, is to turn off the culture of the world, is to turn these things off, to turn off the thing that comforts you, the place that you go every time that you're hurting, and this is where you go get your fix for what you need in the moment, the thing that touches your anxiety, makes you feel good for the moment, but literally makes your anxiety worse. Start getting the word of God into you. But don't just read the word of God. Absorb the word of God. Well, I did the verse of the day and I was in the present. No. Are you living what you read? If you're not living what you read, you're not being transformed. You're being informed. And that's the problem. Christianity has become an information society. We're like the new World Wide Web. Al Gore didn't invent this one though. But anyway... Or the other one. And, and I gotta stop. That's bad. But we're trying to get more and more information because we want to feel better about our situation without changing. I know things. I can make it through this. I know. But you're not applying what you know. You're a hearer of the word, but you're not a doer of the word. That's why you need to surrender to the culture of your king so your faith and your understanding can be radically turned upside down and shaken and just, just start. Like you need a Holy Ghost hurricane to come into your life and just wreck you because you just need to get wrecked in the Holy Ghost. Well, that's not really my under. So, why stop at repentance when there's more? Why stop at water baptism when there's more? Oh, let, let me say, I received the Holy Ghost, but you're not allowing the Holy Ghost to lead and guide your life. You need to go get the Holy Ghost again. It's not a one and done, baby. If you're struggling with all the same things you were struggling with before, you need to go get another douse of the Holy Spirit. And then you need to say, breathe into me on the daily because I'm battling my anger, I'm battling my frustration, I'm battling my addictions. You're not allowing him to live through you. You're trying to live with his power the same way you lived before his power ever encountered you. There's another way to live. There's another way to be. There's another way for us to do this. We gotta be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Why? So that we may test and approve what is the will of God. Right here, Paul is letting us know. Y'all thought I forgot about the will of God, but I didn't. I'll chase that rabbit, but I'll come right back because I got it down on paper. What is the will of God? Well, here's what we're going to learn. It is good, it is well-pleasing, and it is perfect. And it has already been firmly established. But what about James when he says... Like when you're planning your life, you say, well, if the Lord wills, yeah. But that doesn't mean you need to seek and say, God, what is your will in this particular situation? Because the will of God has never changed. The will of God is firmly established. And by the way, the will of God is good. It's well-pleasing and it's perfect. But the only way that you and I are ever going to understand the will of God is when this becomes the source of our understanding not what somebody else says about it. So let's dive into this real quick. Here's the bulk of the sermon right here. The will of God is. Everybody say the will of God, will of God. Is. is. Let's look at the word good. Thank you for saying it. I didn't tell you to say it, but that, I appreciate the participation there. The word good means of good nature, it's useful, and it's joyful. 
There's far too many sad Christians. There's far too many depressed Christians. There's far too many people living in their feelings and calling themselves believers. I'm not being mean. I'm just I'm stating the truth. And I, I are one of these people on far too many times than I should be. We live in this because we don't understand what the good will of God is. It is a good nature. It is useful in everyday life, not just our Sunday go to meeting experience. You're going through hell in your life, you need the good will of God in your life. Because not only is it of use to you, it will give you a good godly nature and it will also make you joyful. Amen? He said, well, I don't know if I, okay, cool. Let's look at Luke 19, verse 10. Here's what Jesus said. The son of man, speaking of himself, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. I need one scripture pastor that tells me the will of God. There you go. Well, what about the will of God for this new computer? So what college should I go to? I'm going to seek, God don't care. That bumps you. I know it does. I know it bumps you. You need to get bumped. You've been believing a lie. You've been believing superstition. Reminds me of what I read this morning in the book of Ezekiel. Can, can I chase the rabbit real quick? Let me, it reminds I'm going to do it anyway because I have the microphone. I was reading in Ezekiel, and God is speaking to the prophet Ezekiel to speak to the people. And he says, these wristbands and these headbands that they're wearing, that they are being entrapped in witchcraft and idolatry, the prophets, these are people claiming to be godly, putting charm bracelets and things on people's head, telling them that it is healing them and delivering them, but it's actually entrapping them to mysticism, and it's a lie. The reason that we don't accept the fact that the will of God has already been firmly established is because we're chasing all these little things to make us feel better, and we think that's the will of God. The will of God is firmly established. Seek, save, Lost people. If your new car will help you seek, save lost people, get you a new car. If it will not, don't do it. If you're scared to drive your new car into the place where the lost people are, you probably shouldn't get that car. Now we're talking about the will of God. Should I move into this brand new apartment? Well, do I have the money to pay the rent? No. But if God wants you to reach somebody in that apartment complex or in that neighborhood, he will make a way where there is no way and put your hide up in that neighborhood. And you're trying to move into Acadian Terrace and the gated community and you can't even afford the apartment you live in. Lord, pray that the, pastor, pray that the will of God, no, it's not going to happen because that, that has nothing to do with the will of God unless it does. So, so, so what, is, what is the will of God? Like, why even talk about the good will of God? Here's the reason. Because God's nature is directed toward you in order to bring you joy. God's will begins in your life. Take your hand and pop yourself in the chest real good so you wake yourself up. God wants you to be joyful. He does not care if you're happy. He wants you to be joyful. Joyful is not an emotion. Joyful is a state of reality. Happiness is a choice based on your circumstance. God wants you to be filled with the joy. By the way, the joy only comes from your salvation. When you have confidence in who your Redeemer is and you know him by name and you know that he knows you by name and he's already numbered every hair on your head, you don't have to worry what happens in your life. You can look in the face of your circumstance and say, I shouldn't be happy right now, but I have joy, unspeakable, and it's full of glory. Well, I don't agree with that. Again, you need to have a transformation take place. You need a full frontal lobe of lobotomy to take place in your spirit. Not by some quack doctor in a white coat. You need to let the Holy Ghost, the one who designed you, the one who filled you with himself, the one who empowers your life, you need to have a mind transformation take place. Because God's nature is reaching for you. And he wants you to live a life of joy. That does not mean you're not going to have bad times because you are going to have bad times. 
Life happens to everyone. Stop believing the talking Christian heads that tell you that when you choose Jesus, there's no more problems. That is a load of caca. (laughs) A truckload of it. And I think we're going to need a bigger boat because they keep putting more and more of it out there. Stop believing all this mysticism and start living in the reality. You're going to have up days. You're going to have down days. You're going to have days where it's easy to choose happiness, and you're going to have a lot of days when you're going to wish you were somewhere else. That does not determine your standing with God unless you determine your standing with God based on your circumstance. God doesn't do it. You do it. But this is when you need to lean into the the truth about the good will of God in Luke 19 and 10. His will is to seek and to save the lost. And in the moment that your circumstance is overwhelming you, his entire focus is reaching for you to find you in the middle of your lostness. He says, I want to give you my good nature and I want to give you joy that you can never buy anywhere. Is this okay? Y'all ready to look at well-pleasing? Here we go. Well pleasing. What does it mean? It means acceptable. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine. I, I love this. I feel like God's a thousand miles away. Anybody besides me ever felt that? I, I call those Mondays. Also known as January. You you try to find God and you can't find him anywhere. It says the Lord is not slow concerning his promise. Then where are you at? As some regard slowness, hear this, but he is being patient toward you. Isn't it interesting that reformed postmodern theology is trying so hard to get the believer out of the story of God, but the word of God keeps putting you right back into it? Stop believing all that mess. It's going to separate you from what God has for you. You need to lean into the word of truth. God is doing things for you. He wants you to feel something different. He wants you to live differently. He wants you to experience something that the angels that that he created will never even have a remote chance to experience. He is being patient toward you. Why? Because he does not wish for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. How could a loving God send people to hell? I said this last week, a loving God will never do that. It's not his will that anyone goes to hell. That's why he's being patient. That's why he's being patient. And he's reaching for you with a well-pleasing, acceptable will. Because here's the deal, y'all. The only acceptable outcome in God's mind is for you to come to relationship with him. That's the only acceptable outcome. I wish I knew what God had in store for me. He wants you to be in intimate relationship with him. He wants you to experience all that he is. That is the only thing that matters to him. And his will is well-pleasing. And here's the deal. When you understand the good will of God and you understand the well-pleasing will of God, everything in your life is turned upside down. Because I promise you, I just wrecked some of y'all who have known Jesus for 10, 15, 20 years. I just wrecked your theology big time. Because it's easy to teach an idea about God instead of teach the word of God. Because if I teach you the word of God, you don't need me as much in your life as you think you do. You actually realize that he's your source, not your spiritual leader. That doesn't mean you shouldn't submit yourself to the spiritual authorities he put in place. That's not what it's saying at all. But if we're doing our job life, our, our job right, we actually have a shelf life until we all come to such unity in the faith. We ain't there yet, so you still need me for a few more decades. At least until I'm 68, because that's when I'm done. You got 18 years. Can we do this in 18 years? I think we can do this, y'all. But, but, but here's the deal. God wants to turn you upside down. Preston, I pray for you this week. You're out there playing with the wolves and doing stunts in a Western movie. And I was praying, don't let nobody mess up with those fake guns. I'm not joking. I'm I'm serious. I was praying for you. 
And when you're gone, I pray for you just about every day that you're gone. But I want you to know this. God wants to turn your life upside down. I'm not, I'm not calling you out for any. You were just sitting there, saw that you were back. God isn't speaking to me about you. It's nothing weird or spooky. I'm just, I love you. God wants to radically turn your life upside down because religion hurt you. And religion put you in a box. And God said, there's not a box big enough for Preston. But, but oftentimes, just like him, we get caught in the same place. And we think God is not good because our situation is not good. And we find ourselves in a situation or in a circumstance that is unacceptable. Anybody ever been there? Pastor Matt and Pastor Alicia learned about unacceptable situations when they followed my joking recommendation to go eat chili with cinnamon in it. That was unacceptable. So they left it on the table and they walked out. But the problem is so many of us don't walk out of the cinnamon-flavored chili. We say, I have to accept this because this is just how it is. Right? My dad was an alcoholic, so. My mom was abused, so. Make sure everybody loves me. I'm white, so I'm an oppressor. I'm black, so I'm a victim. Nope. Nope. That's not reality. That's not what he says about you. That's not what he says about your circumstance. He says if something comes around you and tries to overcome you, you need to remind yourself that you're more than an overcomer. You are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, your Lord. Nothing that comes against you is going to succeed because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I don't care if I'm battled today. I don't care if I'm hit today. That is not my reality. I find my reality in the only one who is reality. And it's high time that we stop accepting things and just saying this is how it is. No, that's not how it is. It's not like that until you settle down and build your life there. But you need to remember the one who saw you in his mind before he ever said, let there be light. Let there be order in the abject chaos. Before he did any of that for you, by the way, before he ever did any of that, he said, I have a plan. I have a will. I have a purpose. And I have a desire for everyone who bears my image. And it's not a good situation, but God wants to give you joy in the middle of hell. It's not acceptable what's happened, but God wants to let you know that no matter if your circumstance is acceptable or not, he accepts you because he sees you as you are in his mind, not as you are in your circumstance. Isn't it interesting? I say this a lot, but I'm trying to get it through to you. It's interesting that our sin defines us by our actions, but our God defines us by what he has already done. And we just, oh, this is acceptable. No, it's not acceptable. You're the head, not the tail. You're the apple of his eye. You're not somebody who's been abandoned. You're not an orphan. You're not someone who's all alone. He says, I will not leave you as orphan. I will not abandon you. I will come to you. I will not just be with you. I will be in you. Everything about God that we see in the Bible is the almighty lowering himself to where we are continually, continually lowering himself. And religion says, no, you got to come up here to get like God. No, stop. Stop trying to do that. Recognize this. No matter where you are, if you're in heaven or if you're in hell, it does not matter. His presence will reach you if you are willing to accept that he is greater than your circumstance. He wants to turn you upside down. Because that is the only way that we can walk into the perfect will of God. Let me bust theology real quick. There's a permissible will of God that applies to everyone, but then there's an absolute perfect will of God that only applies to you. I'm sorry, that is not biblical. 
I've preached that. It's not biblical. I parroted what somebody else said, which is why God had to take me to the word of God and say, stop preaching somebody else's bull crap. Start preaching the truth. It's time for us to stop just repeating what somebody says. If I say it, you better go to the word of God to make sure it's there. And if you don't find it there, say, Jade, set an appointment with your daddy because we need to talk. But I don't preach anything that I haven't spent decades and hours and days and moments and lifetimes in saying, God, I need to make sure that when I open my mouth that I'm speaking your truth, not what somebody else told me. But there is a perfect will of God that eludes so many of us. And here's the deal. Religion has convinced Christianity that they are not even a part of the perfect will of God. Which is why... Everything in our world is falling apart because the church is silent and the church is going into a safe zone. We're wrapping up in our weighted blankets. Nothing wrong with them. I have one. They're awesome. You should get one. And we're pulling our Snuggie. I don't have one of these, but we're pulling our Snuggie up over our head and we're hiding. It hurts. It's painful. It is. They hurt me. They took advantage of me. Yes, they did. That's not acceptable. Stop accepting it. But they marginalized me. That's not good. Don't define yourself by something that's not good. Encourage yourself in the Lord and experience the joy of the salvation that the God of all gods knows you by name. My situation is so bad. Stop talking about it. You're giving it air in your life. But that's how I, I, I go. That's, that's what I do. No, that's what's keeping you in it. If the person who is counseling you wants you to keep repeating all the stuff that hurt you, they are not helping you. They are making you addicted to them. Stop talking to them. Start talking to the one and true living God and let him speak the word of truth into you and then surrender to the power of his spirit and allow the Holy Ghost to come alive inside of you and then start living that way. Experience the joy of your salvation and stop accepting the bad circumstances, your reality. Because there is a perfect will. Everybody say perfect will. You need to hear me. Some of y'all have been living in the imperfect will. Not of God. The imperfect will of the devil. Sometimes the devil is named you. Sometimes the devil's named me. Because we chase our opinions and we chase our comforts. And God's like, no, no, no. There's a better way to live. Because the word perfect means brought to completion, finished. Here's the thing that religion does not want you to hear today. God's work has already been completed. You just have to walk into the finished work. Y'all remember Philip's favorite sermon series, Radical? Philip thought I forgot about that. I didn't. All these other sermons I've preached, he didn't like. He liked the sermon series, Radical. I'm trying my best to do, to do better. I'll work on it. What did we learn in Radical? Mark chapter 16. Greater things than this shall you do. In my name, you will do. And we're like, no, we need to have self-help groups. Sit around in circles and talk about our feelings. Ask people what this scripture means to us instead of what does the scripture mean? And we keep people in these circles of pain because we're codependent. And we don't change because we expect the person that lives in the house with us to change first. Mm. We wonder why our world doesn't change and we're unwilling to even bend to the power of God because we don't know anything about the perfect will of God because we think the perfect will of God is something we can never attain. So we got to chase it. We got to seek it. No, it's already finished. It's done. It's complete. Let me prove it to you. Mark 16 to 15. Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Here's what religion doesn't want you to hear. The gospel will not spread out of the mouth of God. Healing does not come to this world out of the hand of God. 
His work's finished. It's finished. In fact, he, he, he said that. That's a direct quotation. It is finished. Peace out. He finished it. God, I need you to work in my life. Did. I did, I did that. Before you ever were, I did that. God, I just, I need you to intervene right now because this is bad. I did. I stretched wide. They put nails in my wrist, nails in my feet. They pierced me in the side. They put a crown of thorns on my head. I bled. I died. By the way, I didn't stay dead. So get me off the cross in your life. In fact, take the cross and get the cross out of your life because that's not where your victory is. It's an empty tomb. That's your victory. Come on, somebody. You don't like that, but it's still true. Stop hanging on to talismans and religious symbols that you think make you spiritual. They don't. They just lock you in to this idea of, of mysticism. And he's saying, I want you to be free of all these things. And you keep picking them up. That, that was free. I finished my work. There's nothing left for me to do except hold the door open for you so you can walk into it. The perfect will of God is only completed and finished through you and through me when we surrender to what he has already done. When we lean into the good and the acceptable will of God, our world is turned upside down, meaning us, our lives. And then when we start living the good and acceptable will of God in the world around us, that's when the world around us gets turned upside down. I want you to notice this. This only happens through you. And hear me. It's time for us to grow up. It's time for us to make the word of God the authority in our life. I don't know God's will for my life. I'll give you three things real quick. Three things. Number one, be active in his mission. Number two, live a life of repentance. Number three, share the good news. You share everything else. When you're having a bad day, we know about it. When you wake up on the wrong side of your bed, the first thing you do is let the world know just how bad of a day we're all going to have because you're having a bad day. I'm not coming at you. I do it too. Try my best. I'm about to get off of social media completely. I don't even want the temptation. They're a great band, but I don't need any more temptation in my life. A couple Mondays ago, I got, I got on my feed. It had been a minute. I got on my feed and I just went. And like all these people that I'm close to are just talking about all the bad things in their life. I was like, I'm just going to make breakfast and take a picture of it and let y'all see that there are things better than that situation. Now I got to think about it. So I'm, I'm going to show you my lunch too. And then later I showed my dinner and like, you didn't do anything. You're right. I, I literally wasted your time if you were looking at my feet. But talking about the bad things is just about as useful as talking about my food choices for the day. It accomplished just about the same thing, except your drama probably got way more likes than my food pics did. I'm not offended. That's okay. But why do we do this? I'm not just coming at social media. That, that's where we live today. So got to talk about our, our neighborhood. But we constantly live in this space of, please make me feel good about my situation. Please give me room to vent. I want you to hear me. I'm not, I, I'm not slapping at anybody except for all of us. Stop. If the situation is bad, stop calling it good. Stop accepting bad situations as your reality and start living what he already finished and invited you into. 
Be active in his mission. It would be amazing what would change in your life if you would actually start seeking the lost so that he can save the lost through you. Live a life of repentance. Why repentance? So that your life is acceptable to the Almighty God. What does that mean? I, I pay penance all day? No, this isn't religion. Stop. You don't even have to tell me what you're struggling with. It's none of my business. Simply wake up every morning and say, you're greater than I am. You're God. I'm not. And I'm going to submit my life to you in everything. And then share the good news. It is amazing what happens in our life when we talk less. Renzo says that all the time. Say less. I don't even know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But when, when you start feeling the temptation to vent, say less. Literally, say less. Like, stop. And just say Jesus. There's a song. It's an amazing song. Charity Gale wrote it. You can find it on YouTube. A bunch of different people did it. It's called Speak Jesus. I speak Jesus. Jesus for my family. Jesus in the stream. Jesus, like, I don't remember all the words. They put the words up on the screen, and I just read them in my living room. Yeah! But what would happen if we would just start speaking Jesus? This hurts. Jesus! They heard me. Jesus! Instead of Jesus, Christ couldn't stop. Stop using his name as a cuss word and start using it as a victory. I speak Jesus in my situation. So how do I surrender to the will of the king? Here, here it is. You got to repent. Everybody say repent. repent. Worship team, y'all come on. We, we're about to close out with worship. Everybody say repent. Repent, repent it like you mean it. Say, say repent. repent. Be baptized. Everybody be baptized. Say be baptized. Be filled with his spirit. Well, that's not for me. Really? Could that be why that everything in your life is driven by things that are temporal? Don't stop at repentance. Don't stop at water baptism. He's got something more for you. And then when you get filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, allow him to live through you instead of just making it a religious experience. How do I repent? Surrender your will to his, to, to his identity. And then when you're baptized, what you're doing, you're literally being baptized into the name of Jesus. You're surrendering your identity for Jesus. And when you're filled with his spirit, oh, th and th this is why we stop. This is why religion doesn't want you to hear this. When you're filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're surrendering your strength to Jesus. I can't do it. I can't. You're right. And he knows that. That's why he said, I'm going to finish the work. So there's nothing that you have to do. Pastor, are you coming for me because I haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Not you specifically, but all of us who have not had that experience. Well, I got hurt by that. Sorry. People do dumb things sometimes. I'm really sorry. But if you haven't even repented, the empowerment's not just going to like drift into your life. And we get stuck and we make the wrong choices because we're not being led by the Spirit. And God wants to turn us upside down so that we can be effective in the world in which we live. Here's the deal. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not about salvation. It's about empowerment in a dark world. That's why you, 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 everybody needs the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that we can be effective in a dark world. So here's what I want us to do. I want us collectively, as a body, right where we are, you don't have to stand up. In fact, this would be great. Everybody, close your eyes. I don't want anyone looking around. I don't want anyone seeing anything. People are going to start making some decisions over the next few minutes. And I want the moment to be between you and your God. In your own words, I want you to say something like this. Say, Jesus, I need you 
more than I need anything else. I need your goodwill more than the bad stuff that I'm living in. And Jesus, I need your acceptance more than I need to be accepted by anybody else and more than I need to accept my circumstance. I need you to accept me. And I want you to complete your work in my life and make me perfect even as you are perfect. Not flawless because I'm human. But you're flawless. So you live in me. Come sit on the throne of my life and be my king. Come be my Lord. Come be my God. Because tomorrow... I'm going to go to work. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to go to life and something bad is going to happen. And I don't want to keep choosing the things that I've been choosing. Or something is not going to go the way that I expect it to. And I'm going to get that bad news out of left field. And my emotions are going to take over God. I don't want to lean into that and chase them down this dark rabbit hole that I always do, God. I need your reality in my life, Jesus. And I don't want to be religious. I don't want to go through the motions. I I don't want to just be someone who is just a Christian on the surface. I want to be filled to overflowing with everything that you are. So I repent right now, God. I choose you over me. Come on, let's take a couple seconds here just between you and God. Doesn't mean you're lost. Doesn't mean you've never repented. Just why don't we all just take a couple of seconds here and just repent. Just tell him how much you need him more than you need your circumstance.